This is Saster's Founders Favorite Series, where you can hear some of the best of the best from Saster speakers. This is where the cloud meets. Simplify your cloud infrastructure with Linode's Linux virtual machines and robust set of tools to develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Find ways to cut costs using the total cost of ownership calculator and compare against AWS's pricing. Visit linode.com saster to learn more. Up today, automation, the digital transformation accelerator with Jennifer Tejada, CEO at PagerDuty. But I thought today I would start off with a little bit of good news. That good news is the fact that digital acceleration has truly become a reality. And with that, it's a transition that we've seen take place over several decades. I've been in software since the 90s. And for over 20 years, nearly that entire time, we've been talking about digital transformation, developing strategies, architecting new technologies, and moving beyond digitization to rethinking our businesses, our products, and our services in a way that's optimized for a digital world. With the advent of a global pandemic and the resulting recession, transformation efforts around the world and across industries, as you've all seen, have been thrust into high gear. And for some companies, this transformation is a requirement for survival, where for other companies, it enables them to exploit opportunities that are presented by the current environment. And this current environment that we're in, marked by an ongoing global health crisis, by lockdowns, by remote work, social distancing, and civil unrest and market volatility, it's challenging in new ways that we as leaders have never experienced, not the least of which by being exhausting. This shift has come suddenly. It's been extraordinarily fast, and it's been compulsory. It's not like we had a choice, as opposed to more gradual, like in earlier industrial revolutions. And it'll be interesting to find out what sticks, which changes stick around and stand the test of time, and which kind of return to the way they were when we find our new normal. Since the only real certainty is ongoing uncertainty, I found myself as a leader seeking inspiration. And I didn't have to look very far. I looked to our customer base. Many of our customers are doing amazing things. They've helped us get through the stay at home and shelter in place orders and manage the fear and uncertainty of COVID like Peloton. I, I don't know about you, but all of my fitness is now happening in my home and within a six mile radius of my house. Slack, which has become an online collaboration lifesaver for many of us at work and, and also a social environment for us to engage with our peers. Netflix, my daughter's using Netflix party all the time to uh, feel that sense of watching a movie with their friends when she can't be together with them. Shopify, we've seen tremendous results from their earnings recently because they are enabling the world to transition to e-commerce essentially overnight. Uh, Ocado, which is an online grocery deliverer in the UK, which is getting food to people when you need it, when you don't really want to walk into a grocery store. And of course, we know Amazon uh, has been delivering all kinds of things from desks to working at home to common household supplies. My favorite, though, is Zipline. Zipline is a California drone-based delivery company that transports critical medical supplies like blood and vaccines in Rwanda and Ghana. And in April, it added COVID-19 test samples uh, to its distribution. 
So it's not all terrible bad news because, you know, Winston Churchill told us never waste a good crisis. And many of our enterprise customers at PagerDuty have delivered digital transformation programs that were supposed to take years in months. That is really happening in the marketplace. And it's happening at companies that are 50 or 100 years old, where they're having to find new ways to reach their customers with brands and services. Some of the examples that ready come to mind are remote work, contactless curbside pickup, and cashless transactions, which we all experience as consumers. Some are less obvious, uh, like telehealth. This came from necessity. Uh, Teladoc, Cigna Virtual Care has been super helpful to my family, Maven Clinic, or even manufacturing companies like Ford and Dyson transitioning their manufacturing lines to build much-needed ventilators, or Estee Lauder uh, transitioning its cosmetic lines to build hand sanitizers when New York was really struggling to stop the spread of COVID. And finally, we've seen social media play a role in organizing and catalyzing the global anti-racism movement. Much of this acceleration can be credited to this crisis, which, while being chaotic, it's actually the perfect forcing function for change. Prior to the pandemic, you had to plan and orchestrate and sell change. Often you needed consultants and boards and change management experts to be involved to help you convince your people that uh, even if it wasn't broken, they needed to fix it, to disrupt something that was working really well. There's typically a very high internal cost of change, not to mention the external market risk and customer risk. And in this case, we're now seeing a, an environment where your employees and your customers not only know they need to change, change is sometimes the only or the most immediate viable path. And in that case, this is actually a gift. This, I, I think of this crisis in some ways as a gift because change for us is now practically free. Relatively speaking, the ability to pivot your organization, the ability to move in a different direction, the ability to look at all those things as a leader you had on your bucket list that you wanted to do differently or experiment with, well, now you have that opportunity. And the time is now to start ticking those things off your bucket list. The other thing that's changing and evolving really fast is the role of the leader. We now have new stakeholders and new challenges. This crisis has accelerated the change in the CEO role permanently, broadening all of our responsibilities, and our constituencies. It's not enough to just make our customers happy or our employees happy. We have to think about all of the communities that we serve, our investors, and the communities around us that need our help. We need to leverage our tech, our people, our position, our voices, our power, and that has become a central requirement in the CEO role. Trust has also become the most valuable currency. It takes years, years, to build up trust with your customers and employees, and it can be destroyed in a heartbeat, in a minute. And that means that transparency, vulnerability, continuous engagement with our employees and our customers is now mission critical. And work is everywhere. It's all the time. The lines between work and home have blurred. So who owns the well-being of our employees? We do. Who owns keeping them informed in a world of misinformation? We do. And our values have become increasingly more critical. You now have to go beyond explaining your values, making sure everybody understands them. You have to lean into them and demonstrate with a high level of empathy that every decision you make, big or small, is values-led. 
because your employees are looking to you. They are trusting you to keep them engaged in your mission. And as CEOs and leaders, sometimes that's really challenging because we all need to provide a compelling future, a purpose to keep people who are dealing with things like isolation or their kids at home or the prospect of school not picking up in the fall, the stress of COVID and its, and its impact on family members. We need to keep them engaged in the purpose and the mission so that they're driven, so that they can continue to find fulfillment and enjoyment in their work. And to do this, you've got to scale it through your managers. But management has changed. You know, when I grew up in the world of, you know, management training, it was all about duty of care, first do no harm, and deliver the business results. Well, we have to now start with demonstrating personal care first. And this may not naturally come to all of your managers. It may not be first nature. That role of the manager is increasingly important, that frontline manager, not simply to direct priorities and direct work, but to model to coach, and most of all, to demonstrate care to your employees. I was speaking with Brad Smith, the chairman of Intuit the other day, and he shared this simple process that they've executed at Intuit that I thought was really interesting. They've created a form and a flow for their managers to do check-ins. And instead of doing what we all naturally wanna do, which is to check in on the project, check in on how the work's going. Like, is it gonna be delivered on time? Is it gonna be on budget? Will we ship it? Will customers like it? Will they understand it? Start with the people first. How are you? How are you feeling about things? How's your family? How's everything going, right? This really resonated with me because one of PagerDuty's values is people first. And this just feels like a great executable on that. They're taking it one step further and they're tracking it in BetterWorks or Reflective or uh, one of their HR online systems. And I think like, that's a really good way to, to help managers practice, but also hold them accountable to demonstrating that care for employees. The challenge is even the best management and training processes won't always work. They won't prevent burnout because when we're working from home and we're supported by this technology, this great technology that we're using today, which blurs the lines between work and family time, people are going to get burned out. And you're going to see that ebb and flow and going in cycles. So looking forward, we also need to innovate and automate policies around flexible working, childcare, and leave to address some of these challenges. For example, at PagerDuty, we've offered Dutonian days, spontaneous Fridays off, to really enable employees to decompress and refresh and step away from the blue screen. Um, we've also kicked off this concept of simple Wednesdays. Simple stands for stop internal meetings, plan lots of external ones. And the idea is that on Wednesdays, if we take meetings, they're gonna be external customer facing meetings. This has helped us to break up the meeting gridlock midweek, and it's also turned our collective focus forward and outward towards the market and our customers, which is where our priority lies. In addition of having an existing five months of parental leave, we extended emergency and caregiver leave and launched an online health, mental health platform called Ginger.io for our employees. And we also gave an, our employees an expense allowance for their work and home environments. And to support personal activism and anti-racism, we updated our 20-hour volunteer time off policy to include peaceful demonstration, self-education, and voting. I'm not suggesting this is perfect, that this is all-inclusive, or that you're not doing a lot of this already, or frankly, that you need to do all of this. But what I am suggesting is we need to keep improving and experimenting and figure out how we 
create that purpose and that fulfillment for our employees while delivering on new needs for our customers. Sound easy? Not so much. One of the big questions is, how do we find the capacity as leaders personally and the capacity within our organizations and our teams to get some of this done? Nicole Malachowski is a retired Air Force officer and the first woman Thunderbird pilot. And I've had the great fortune of hosting her to speak with our leaders many occasions. And one of the things that she talked about recently really struck with me. It's the fact that when you're in combat and it's chaotic, your natural instinct is to play defense. But the winning playbook to surviving and winning in, in a combat environment is all about seizing your advantage. And I've heard people talk about seizing opportunity, but this nuance is a little different, right? Because again, most of us normal humans in a chaotic or you know, situation where we feel attacked and uncomfortable, we're gonna shift to the back foot. We're gonna shift to defense. Nicole's astute point is that you are unlikely to win playing defense because, you know, someone's chasing you suddenly. First, you need to identify and name your advantage. That sounds pretty simple and straightforward. And it can be surprisingly hard to do because we all think we're good at lots of things. We all think we have many benefits. What is your greatest advantage? Be intellectually honest. Maybe it's not that list that was in your last pitch deck. But what you truly believe your customers in the market reflect back to you as your defensible advantage. How's your product essential? Do you solve a current urgent problem? How do you point your advantage at your customers' biggest challenges? Next, focus on turbo powering that advantage. This is the hard part because if your company is anything like mine, we have teams working on all kinds of initiatives that were super relevant in January and not so much now. But we have people that are wedded to those projects that feel a deep level of personal connection to that work. And on close examination, even though they deserve reprioritization or maybe canceling, people will be resistant to that change. Your job is to, as quickly as possible, shift your resources to strengthening your advantage. So how do you free up your people so that they can focus on being creative they can shift to that advantage, digging in deeper, building a stronger moat with that advantage, being innovative, and yet you know, finding the capacity and the time to do that despite all of the personal challenges I just mentioned and, and all of the business challenges that are in play. I'd posit that you need to automate or eliminate anything that can create capacity for the stuff that matters, that advantage that we talked about. And making space is literally, literally and figuratively space for transformation. So like us, as you probably scenario planning your butts off to maximize growth and conserve cash in case this pandemic goes on for a while, which it looks like it will, how are you gonna do more, more with less, particularly in a cash constrained world? And how do you know which projects to stop and which projects to accelerate? How do you leverage your team to do that? Well, for us, we had to start with elimination. We had to ruthlessly prioritize our team's investments and activities. And that was somewhat helped because we used the V2Mom methodology, which where you stack rank all of your key initiatives, you stack rank the projects that support them. So, you know, you kind of have to challenge that stack ranking in order to keep something that's low on the list in play, or you have to make a really good business case for reordering that stack rank. And, and that's precisely what we did. It allowed us to reshuffle some things. It allowed us to stop 
uh, some projects or back burner some projects, some projects that I particularly was very interested in and, and committed to. We had to, we had to put on the back shelf when the world started to change. Then you've got to assess your progress and then you've got to reprioritize again. I think the thing that surprised me was that you're constantly having to monitor this, check your progress, potentially reprioritize because the market and the environment we're in is evolving faster than in any experience in, in my professional lifetime. And what I've learned is this is really a cycle of days and weeks, not months. In this environment, I think the frustrating thing is the annual planning cycles that we've built our businesses around don't serve us. They're static and unresponsible to the evolving situation in front of us. And we need something more dynamic and more fluid. Canceling projects to promote your advantage will serve you in this environment. So while it may be hard, cross some things off the list. Now let's turn to the role that automation can play in accelerating your strategy and your business and your customer outcomes. You know, as a startup, we cobbled a lot of processes together really quickly out of necessity and we haven't really had time or the wherewithal to go back to them and harden them for scaling. And those manual processes, they build up like plaque on your teeth. You can't really see it until it's bad. And by then you've got a mouthful of decay and your teeth falling out. This whole set of painful bigger problems that are now harder and more expensive to, to resolve. And that's where automation comes in. Whether you're leveraging robotic process automation from UiPath and your finance teams or your HR teams, or you use SaaS apps like Pendo to find insights and track and learn your customer behavior in your product, or you use People AI to understand the autom and automate the process of gaining insights on sales capacity and sales productivity. All of these types of automation can not only accelerate work and get rid of manual work, they can help you institutionally learn faster, get smarter, and get better faster. And those are the outcomes that we're looking for. You know, earlier this year, we redoubled our focus on our enterprise segment, where we have a strong leadership position. Think of this as something we identified as an advantage. And to shift resources, we had to automate more and more of our SMB offering and make sure that we could refine our product to that make sure self-service journeys were more productive and frictionless. We made in-app purchases available for all of our customers. And we have the only mobile app that you can run an end-to-end -end incident response on, which is really important when we're talking about supporting distributed teams. Another example we've seen plenty of in our customer world is this expedition of cloud migration. And in particular, we're seeing this in retail and e-commerce and traditional consumer businesses where bricks and mortar brands have been forced to shift to 100% e-commerce overnight. And I remember seeing Andy Jassy speak about this at reInvent, the idea of kind of cleaning out the garage and starting fresh as opposed to just digitizing the processes that were available today. So we're now seeing customers that are reinventing, reinvigorating the customer journey, leveraging the cloud as an automation platform for that. And all of you are very fortunate. Many of you are cloud native companies. And so I think there is an opportunity and a potentially an advantage here. This may sound kind of primitive when we talk about customers making that shift now because you were born that way, but the biggest brands in the world didn't start here. And underestimating those brands you know, do that at your peril because many of them have some of the best marketing product and business operators in the planet. And they have now gone Mach 5 into learning 
how to leverage the cloud to their advantage. And they may be coming after some of you. So the other thing to think about is your advantage of being a cloud-based company, that may be, that, that competitive lead or gap may be getting smaller for you. And you're really going to have to um, innovate on behalf of your customer in other ways. If you're not already, you're also going to need to retrain yourself and your teams to take a more agile approach to planning and capital allocation. Think about doing it on a rolling quarterly basis, if not a monthly basis, so you can find opportunities for automation really quickly. You can pivot when you see a project that you're investing in right now is not gonna pay off for too long of a term. And at the same time, you can weigh up some of the long-term initiatives that are gonna be really important for the future, that are gonna ensure that you can not only survive, but thrive and come out of you know, this environment much, much stronger. Linode's Linux Virtual Machines offer industry-leading price performance. Don't believe us? Use our Total Cost of Ownership Calculator to receive a total cost breakdown, technical recommendations, and see how much you can save compared to the hyperscalers. Visit linode.com slash saster to learn more.